0: Be advised suspect is armed and considered extremely dangerous.
1: Welcome to the Safety Doc Podcast with author, radio host, and nationally recognized safety expert, Dr. David Perotin. Join us each week as we discuss the best and most bizarre practices in safety preparation and crisis response. Follow Dr. Perotin on Twitter at SafetyPhD. And remember, the truth will keep you safe.
2: Hey everybody it is your good friend the safety doc here with lisa lenny i'm going to give her a proper introduction in just a moment but uh yeah thank you so much boy we had seven people waiting to be in the show and you know all the side conversation and and all this stuff so i appreciate it yeah
3: i feel this like, this is crazy. Like, you, know, I, for a while.
2: you just drop it. You know, I'm like, Lisa Lenny's gonna be on the show, and pretty soon, you know, like thousands of emails coming in, and people are like, you know, what uh, and, and all this stuff. I'm like, Yeah, Lisa, they're like Lisa Lenny from the greater Houston. I'm like, that's the person. I'm like, authentically, <laughs> like that. Is that is who's on the show, and they're like, How did you? I'm like, it's a long story, like it's just it's it's amazing. I'm at a bet on the world series of Houston Astros, and you know, this was. If Lisa would be on the show, you know, and all that, but, uh, but yeah, so um, a quick PSA, a public service announcement for everybody out there. I have some sad news to report. The uh, first 181 episodes of the safety doc podcast have been lost to time, much like the moon landing where they recorded over the uh, VCR recording to do the episode of mash. Uh, this is gone. So I took it to the tech guy, uh, Awesome guy here in town, you know, worked on my computer and stuff. He's tried everything he could, but actually there is one trick up his sleeve yet. He said, if I can get a motherboard that matches, this is really an obscure hard drive. It's like a three gig Western digital. They only made for a few months. He said, if I can get the motherboard that matches what's on the drive, we might be able to like fire it up one time and get everything off of it. He said, there's a slim hope and uh so but anyway i do have all of the shows on youtube so what i'm going to do is download the fully rendered shows and i have all the audio that's leveled on podbean so i'll download that so i have it uh, but yeah keep backups of your backups that's the thing um and i had I had a note for myself to do that and i'm like wow but um actually you know podcasts um you know for what it is I, i'm not sure i would have ever accessed these but if you have important information legal information, as, As Lisa says, always keep three backups and always hide them and bury one of them, but make sure water cannot get inside of the container because that will corrupt the hard drive. So Lisa Lenny is a Texas attorney with over 10 years experience of litigation experience. I just said experience twice. That was me, not Lisa, who sent that to me. In the past year, she has focused on research and writing for litigation and transactional matters. She works from her home in Houston with her nine cats. It's a long story. Lisa will discuss issues on tonight's show about uh, applying the necessity defense and uh, good Samaritan considerations, but these are for discussion. This is not intended to be legal advice. And actually that is our pinned tweet that will be in the show description. It will also be in the blog tomorrow. This is not intended to be legal advice. Seek your own legal counsel on, um, to be advised. On these matters as they pertain to you, but Lisa, welcome to the show.
3: Thank you. I'm glad to be back. Hi, <laughs> Vanessa Kitty. Um, she's she's one of our regulars on the she, distillery live stream. So uh,
2: she is. Yeah, you have uh, yeah, you have um, quite a few people over here. I think that uh, that um, that no old humble um, the old humble channel with Joe and. Yeah, a lot of people but asked me, what's the legalities of Joe boxing a kangaroo? Are you going to get into that? I said, you know, that was his, his thousand sub challenge. He said he would box a kangaroo. And I said, I think it's just hyperbole. I don't think he's actually going to do that. He's
3: not going to fight a kangaroo.
2: A kangaroo would just level him, too. I mean, and, you I know, it. I keep telling
3: him this. <laughs> and nobody's going to let him fight a kangaroo. <laughs> so, like,
2: <right.
0: laughs> you know,
3: nobody at one of the local zoos is going <laughs> to let him into the kangaroo pen and say, have at it.
2: No, nobody's right. And, and someone is going to look at that and they're just going to like, you know, throw the towel and say, this kangaroo is going to like, you know, wash the walls with you, man. This kangaroo is angry. And the kangaroo is eyeing him up and stuff like that. But uh, so anyway, how I'll, we have um, on the news tonight, Lisa, they said expect three inches of snow tomorrow. And because it's only in the 20s here, like that sticking snow means oh. it doesn't, it's not going to go away. And it's going to be in the 20s here for the next several days. Um, we, excuse me, we had a very sharp, um, end of summer for the first 10 days of November, actually, including Halloween, it was 70 degrees or more. And then it dropped down to like 27 and now it's been in the twenties and we have snow, but, uh, how, you know, how are things by, how are things going for you? And like, what's the weather outside? You're like, just open up. It's like 70 degrees outside. No.
3: So last week, yeah, last week, it was in the low 80s. It was gorgeous. I, you know, was outside my backyard or in my front yard a lot, visiting with neighbors, and it was it was so great. And then Saturday, I woke up, and I was like, something doesn't feel quite right in here. Like, it was a little bit colder in my bedroom than usual, so I pulled up the, the Weather Channel app, and... It was like forty-five degrees. I was like, What's her? Yeah, because I had the air conditioning on. Whatever I went to bed <laughs> the night before, so like, yeah, it was it was chilly, and I had no idea that this cold front was coming because I kind of I, I kind of live in a cave, and um, I'm like you know buried in my research and writing and stuff, and I just
2: yeah. So know, what are you working on? Is it research? Um, for a client or is it research for some professional kind of endeavor you're doing, you know, uh, a legal note or, or what, what's going on with that? So
3: it's really cool. I'm working. What I do is instead of running my own cases, uh, either, you know, as a solo practitioner or as, you know, an employee at a firm, I work for other attorneys who don't want to do their own research and writing because it's not everybody's thing, but oh my God. <laughs> right. wow. um, so I get, I have several clients in Texas, several attorneys in Texas who I do for whom I do work. And then, um, I also, there's this website, um, that has a marketplace where attorneys can pair up with each other for, for projects. Okay. So it's, um, it's been really good. And so like now I can just do the work I want to do. So somebody has a discovery project, like either, you know, propounding or responding to discovery. I say, no, no, thank you. (laughs) That's why I got out of litigation. (laughs)
2: Um, you know I remember my expert witness work and and uh, the intensity of uh, discovery right and I didn't I'm not a lawyer right so I didn't kind of realize coming in of how um, how much that involves so and I still probably don't but from an expert witness standpoint I was like whoa um wow so 45 yeah I can I, it's obviously a big shift from what you're used to now will it bounce back will you will you be back in the 70s and 80s I mean is that
3: well, I mean, the high that day was about 60 okay. and it's supposed, I think that, I think we might top out the forecast says 68 on Thanksgiving and that's, that's the highest high over the next couple of weeks there.
2: All right. Which, it makes wow. me sad.
3: So, and then today, you know, like I was telling you, it rained all day and it was yeah. a cold rain and somebody, um, came to my door. And I knew who it was, so I answered it. And um, He was actually standing out, like, on my walkway, not up on the porch. Like, he came up and knocked on the door and then went back to, you know, COVID space and whatnot. Right. Um, so, it it was pouring. I'm like, what are you doing out there? Come stand on the porch. <laughs> um, so... Anyway, we were both getting wet because the rain was coming in diagonally, and so oh, anyway, geez. and it was cold rain. And that is my least favorite weather is a cold rain.
0: Yeah.
3: So I mean, like I'm just, I just haven't gotten enough sunshine today. I've I've already my third B vitamin <laughs> gummy. <laughs> <laughs> right.
2: Oh, you know, when you talk about cold rain, I, I actually remember when I was younger, like uh, this, this cold rain, kind of like in October. And one of my friends lived a few blocks away and like walking back and just this like cold pelting rain. And I still remember it to this day. I'm like, this sucks. And I was only 10. Um, I'm like, I am not for this. I do not Ew. like this. So, so we're going to talk about a couple things today. And um, so the first thing is what's called the law of necessity, or I guess it's probably more of a defense that you would try to apply and, and you'll you know help us understand that. But, um, and, and this has to do with, you know, a, a quick example is would you trespass onto somebody's property if you had to, if someone was drowning in a pool, right. And, and you could get them out. Right. So would you trespass in order to save somebody? And we can kind of, you know, think of things, um, would you, you know, follow somebody um who is swerving, right? Um, around, <laughs> I've uh, done
3: that. <laughs> okay,
2: yeah. So so would you follow one of my students, Lisa, in one of my uh, legal courses, right? So I'm not a lawyer, but, you know, one of my courses a week ago said um, she was following somebody who was swerving, and she was keeping up with this person, and then she dialed, you know, 911. And uh, the, the police said, stay up with this person. Like, put your flashers on, but stay up with them. We're going to dispatch the state patrol So, like... So she said at some point she's driving over the speed limit to stay, you know, to follow this person. So that's kind of a law necessity. She's breaking the speed limit, but she's mm-hmm. also being kind of directed to do that in the thought is right. If this person hits somebody else, there could be, a you know, accident and, and injuries or, or worse. Um, so we're going to get into that. And then also good. I want to, you know, have a discussion of good Samaritan law, um, because I don't think a lot of people are aware of what, good Samaritan law is. I I mean, and also I I think people, I I was first on the scene of an accident in September and there were a lot of people that drove by. um, And I was kind of wondering why that was happening and if people don't want to get involved or people just don't know about um, good Samaritan law. I looked it up in my state, by the way. um, So I have like a definition here from Wisconsin, but And and Lisa and I, you know, I I was sharing beforehand, I think we should have a Good Samaritan Day. I think um, a day where newspapers, the media, and and they cover, like, here's what the Good Samaritan law is in your state, so people are aware of that, and they're not hesitant to act in an emergency to possibly uh, save someone or save somebody's life, not having to measure that against, oh, if I, you know, pull you away from a vehicle that's on fire and, and I injure you, uh, by doing that, um, you know, what is immunity? Again, this isn't legal advice, but but it's kind of weird that we don't cover things like that when we have an entire month for allergies, which is April, Allergy Awareness Month. But um, so so, Lisa, you know, we I shared that example of, uh, you know, so, you know, you're there going through the greater Texas area and suddenly you're looking over and saying, oh my goodness, someone's drowning in that pool. Um, and you pull over uh, but you know, there's a there's a sign on on you know in front of the property, no trespassing, protect, protected by ADT and whatever these you know things are. But um, and and so you have to make a decision there, right? Of okay, I'm, I'm going to trespass in order to save a life, or I'm not going to trespass. But what should people? What are the considerations maybe that the courts would look at, or that a lawyer would look at in situations like the law of necessity or the necessity defense?
3: Well, I think, yeah, I, I don't think the law is where you start. I think morality and ethics is where you start, um, and from that is where where we get this common law tradition of you know the Good Samaritan law and the the law of necessity. And while those have been codified in statutes, oftentimes and um, hang on, um. And it, it comes from, you know, a, a tradition of, of what is valued. Um, so on trespass, it's, um, it, it's, it's a really interesting, um, it's a really interesting tort that also ties into a negligence, uh, tort called premises liability. Okay. And so, in order to pull this up real quick before I bungle it, Um, okay, it's it's getting really bad. When I think I know what page it's on, and then I go and look at what page it's on, I'm like, oh, I was right. (laughs) Uh, This is like, you know, a 1600 page book.
2: (laughs) No kidding. By the way, people can get this book. It's only 200 pages and read it quickly. Okay. Yeah.
3: Yeah. And that, that book is a lot less expensive than, than this book. So, um, but anyway, on, on trespass, the, what the plaintiff has to show is that they were the owner and possessor of the property. Okay. So, the, or that they owned it or they had the legal right to possess it. So an example of somebody who has a legal right to possess something without owning it would be a renter. Uh, you know, okay. say somebody's renting a house and that house has a pool and, you know, somebody is is drowning in that pool. Um, the, the, sort of the, the other things that the plaintiff has to show is that the defendant so you're you're a good Samaritan in this case, the person who goes to save the person drowning in the pool, um, had to enter the plaintiff's land physically, intentionally, voluntarily, and unauthorized. Okay. So those are all things that we see in this situation. Yes. Like, uh, I would say that there. Maybe the voluntary issue might be the one at at most question here Uh, because of the other person being in duress, that may also put your rescuer into emotional duress, seeing the situation. So there is, there is a question of fact there. Okay. Um, But the um, defendant's trespass also has to cause injury to the plaintiff's right of possession. Um, So that might be uh, damage to the property like you know, having to break a lock and a
0: gate or something.
2: Right, right. Um,
3: So it really just, somebody's presence on your land is, is, that's an interference with your property because you can't use it the way that you want to because somebody is standing in the middle of it or somebody has dumped a bunch of trash in one corner, something like that. Um, But just because the plaintiff can prove all of those things doesn't mean there's not an affirmative, what's called an affirmative defense.
2: Affirmative defense. Okay. Yep.
3: So, an affirmative defense is something... So, let me back up. On the trespass cause of action, the plaintiff has the burden of proof to show that by a preponderance of the evidence that... uh, What that means is that something is more likely than not, um, that they fulfilled all of these elements of the cause of action. An affirmative defense is where the defendant Bears that burden to prove the defense, Um, and here, um, the Good Samaritan uh, would be a a defense to this. Um, What else? Trying to think. Um, Like I swear that there were other. The, oh, here we go. Okay. Um, there are obviously statute of limitations in the defense if they wait too long. Um, there are immunities. Um, the Good Samaritan is one of them. There is something else that we'll get into when we are specifically talking about rural land.
2: Okay.
3: And, um, so the other thing is that something is the plaintiff's fault. And I think in this situation that there would be a really good argument that your plaintiff didn't, didn't secure the pool or, um, maybe plaintiff wasn't supervising the kids who were playing out there or like to push somebody into the pool or there was some sort of, um, you know, uneven surface that the, the owner knew about, but they didn't tell their gas. Okay. Um, so those are ways that it could be plaintiff's fault and that would be an affirmative defense. Um,
2: you just said so, this is what I wrote: interferbendent defense, which I'm I'm gl- I'm guessing I'm guessing this isn't correctly spelled. What should it, how is it spelled? Affirmative. Oh, affirmative. Okay,
3: Affir- like as opposed to negative.
2: Affirmative uh, defense. So okay, so it I see that. <laughs> so so they're saying so saying you know um you didn't have this properly secured a neighbor uh, you know someone from the neighborhood got into this a kid and because right your fencing wasn't pro- uh, you know properly set up or whatever around the pool okay so got it
3: yeah so that's a, and and that's purposes liability is the related cause of action and what kind of um, like if the rescuer gets hurt then what kind of duty did the property owner have towards that rescuer or towards the person who was drowning um so there are, you know there are interests from all three of these parties that can come into play from trespass and and the premises liability angle
2: Gotcha So if I if I if I approach, um, so I approach an attorney, right? And I say, I saved somebody from from drowning, right? At least they were flailing around in a pool and I stopped my car and, and had to, you know, jump over a fence and the property owner saying, I bent the fence as I, you know, jumped over it, but I was able to to get this person out of the pool. Um, so what are some of the considerations? I one of the things I'm trying to think of is—is is I think people um, hesitate, right? Because they're like, if I do this, how how am I going to justify my my actions? To I mean, so it's it's as we you wrote um, to me, you said it's risk and reward, right? You're looking at the situation, evaluating it, and say, this person it looks like they're drowning, right? And if you were to ask this person afterwards, they would say, yes, I was. You know, I, I don't know how to swim, and whatever, I fell into this pool, and and you know, thank you so much. Um, but then the homeowner, you know, is, is coming out and litigating and say you're trespassing. Plus, you did damage to my fence when you jumped over. Now the the fence is bent. Um, so uh, how do how do we? I guess what do you what do you think legal counsel might present? Is it to a district attorney? Is it to a judge of, of, of arguing this?
3: Yeah, it's a civil cause of action. Okay. Um, And as far as, as far as criminal activity goes, I really don't have any perspective of that. Okay. Um, So yes, there can be both um, a civil claim and a criminal charge, but criminal charge is going to be pursued by a district attorney uh, or a prosecutor, whether it's, you know, city or district or county or whatever. Um, it, that's not going to be prosecuted by the homeowner. The homeowner is going to prosecute a civil claim. And as someone who... You know, as, as an uh, attorney who might be defending the rescuer, I mean, my reaction would be, Are you kidding me?
2: Right. <laughs> and is there such um, a thing as like summative judgment, or, you know, a, a judge might look at something like that and say, Come on, you know, and whatever. It's even on ring doorbell, like, you know, that this person came running over. Um, in, in let's even say like that exists like there's some forensic evidence of a, a video capture from you know the the homeowner's own video of this uh
0: right. is there such there, a thing as
2: is a judge just just maybe saying get this not, out of here
3: not a judge they typically can't do okay they typically can't render judgment on their own uh they can't uh, the legal the latin legal term is su they can't can't act on their own. Um, So your defense attorney would bring a motion for summary judgment or a motion to dismiss. Uh, There are different procedural rules for how you get a a case to go away. (laughs) So in this type of situation, it would typically be something like, Uh, I I deal a lot with motions for summary judgment and there are no evidence motions for summary judgment there are traditional motions for summary judgment okay and in a no evidence motion for summary judgment you just have to show that the plaintiff doesn't have evidence of one of its elements um, which would not be likely in this situation so because uh, the, the plaintiff is very likely going to be able to prove that the rescuer was, was trespassing just from the bare elements. Right. The right. important thing here is the affirmative defense. And so you would typically have to do a traditional motion for a summary judgment and present applicable, admissible evidence. There, like, you can't. Um, you can't put on live testimony, but you can attach a deposition transcript. So there are different there are different rules for what evidence is acceptable for a summa, for a motion for summary judgment. Okay. And so if you can, as the defendant, prove your affirmative defense by preponderance of the evidence in this motion and possibly at a hearing with argument from your attorney, um, then yes, a judge can render judgment for uh, in favor of the defendant and tell the plaintiff to take nothing <laughs>
0: away.
2: Okay. Well, is this anything you've you've seen or when you were in law school that you studied? Um,
0: uh, yes. This okay. is Most
3: definitely a law school. Uh, it, it would
2: have been covered in torts.
3: <laughs> that first year of class, everybody takes okay? fake.
2: Yeah. Um, so, so what are they? So, what are they?
3: Yeah, t- it's kind of a, it's a crossover between torts and property, but really, it's a, it's a tort.
2: <laughs> so what? What is tort? Is civil, right? If I'm correct on that. Yes. yes. Okay. So, um, okay. So, so we got into this, 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 you know, story here with trespassing and affirmative defense, um. So, is there any anything maybe, so let's say that you're contacted by PBS TV right? And they're like, Lisa, uh, we are going to do a week um, about different public service topics here in the state of Texas, and we want to do one on um, kind of good Samaritan law and affirmative defense, right? Because you know, w- we're not sure people are are really aware of this. and And so we just want people to understand this. Again, it's not legal advice. We just want people to understand this um what are some things if people that you think if if you know you're to help put this commercial together right or or put this public service campaign together you know for a week what are what are some things that general public should know about an affirmative defense or even let's even broaden that out to like the the good samaritan law or maybe the good samaritan law in texas you know so they're saying hey like you know if you're driving by the, the law in Texas says if you know you're driving by an accident um, or you see an accident right an emergency situation like, so in my state let me let me bring up the actual um, the phrase here in Wisconsin so um, right I had it I that itself, no. Here it is. In Wisconsin, under current law, any person who renders emergency care at the scene of an em- any emergency or accident in good faith is immune from civil liability for the person's acts or omissions in rendering such emergency care. Um, it is called the Good Samaritan Law. The provision encourages members of the public to aid others who need prompt emergency care without fear of being sued. So that's right from our Wisconsin statute 895.48 um so is there something what i found too is like this differs state to state a little bit in the language of what constitutes an emergency when does an emergency end um so is there something similar in texas and if so like you know how do you how do you help people to understand that right like so again they're running up and and they they see a situation in their judgment, their discretion, right, I have to remove this person because there's there's heat coming from this vehicle. This vehicle is burning, and this person's going to be be severely injured if I don't you know somehow move them away from this vehicle um that hey, like you can do that without fear of being sued, which again is the statement directly from Wisconsin law um, so well yeah, I mean
3: the um So there are different, this would be a type of immunity. Yeah. So, um, and I don't remember, I'm flipping through here to see if I can find the exact definition of the good Samaritan law. If I can't find it, then just hang on a second and get that from me on that. Um, but the, um. There are different types of immunity. Like, let's say that this was an on-duty police officer who was driving by and saw this. Right. Um, they would have immunity for going onto that. They would have a qualified immunity for going onto that property and and um, rescuing someone. Um, you know, another example of this of you know random member of the public. Um, I had a situation when I was in law school, Um, I was in Chicago, I was on, I was waiting for a train to transfer from the red line onto the loop to get to the orange line and um, a woman collapsed right behind me.
2: Wow. Okay.
3: And uh, she had been shopping with a friend. She was an elderly woman um, and there was, I turned around and somebody else, another girl turned around and asked me if I knew, I think she asked me if I knew CPR. I can't remember which one of us asked. Um, but anyway, she started doing compressions. I started doing the breathing. Um, and once you start, you can't stop.
2: Right, right.
3: Unless somebody switches out. And so that's that's an example of of how that good murder law works. Like there's some you have some responsibility. Like once you start something, you've got to finish it. And that's the case in this, you know, rescue. Okay. Like, you know, you break the lock and jump the fence. And then you chicken out and don't pull the guy out of the pool. You know, you're, you're like, you're not going to have a defense. You're not going to have an affirmative defense. You're not going to have any type of immunity. Um. You're going to be liable for the trash, bath, for the trespass and then damage.
2: Okay. Wow.
3: I don't think that answered your question.
2: No, but it does, it does get to uh, an issue. <laughs> Well, it does get to an issue of commitment, right? So you, you have to commit to, to completing the rescue unless you become informed of some extenuating circumstance, right? You, you, you know, you come or up to the, the pool and there's a shark in the pool, right? Also, and you're like, Whoa, like this changes my opinion of jumping in to rescue the person.
3: Right. Or like in the case of, of giving CPR, there was a third person who came in to the rotation. Um, so that's an acceptable, um, okay. An, an acceptable break. I mean, I stayed at the scene until the paramedics arrived and tried to comfort her friend, and I was ready to jump back in if somebody needed a break. Um, and so that's a that's an acceptable pause or stop, and the rescue you of know, somebody else steps in to take your place because you know, you just can't do anything.
2: right. So, um, anyway, um, totally lost my train of thought. <laughs> so, 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 so you're being asked by, by Texas PBS, right? Of, of Right. Okay. They're saying we we're, we we want to do something for a week where we help the public to become aware of, um, affirmative defense, good Samaritan. And, and they're saying, because right. Um, you know, maybe it's you and there's many people in this in this group which is trying to inform, like, what would we actually do? And they're saying, okay, it's people who aren't stopping at scenes of accidents. It's people, you know, there's there's Narcan, right, available in a library, but, you know, someone won't grab it and administer it. There's an AED in a hallway. Somebody, you know, collapses, might have a heart attack, but they're afraid to take the AED out um, because, again, they're, they might be thinking about, you know, liability. What if I hook this up? wrong and actually it kills them right you know but um so so it's this thing of saying we've got this on the books we want people at least to be informed that it's it's out there um how how do you think people i mean is this through tv commercials is it through like demonstrations is it through billboards like you and i i've never seen this like i've never seen this anywhere about Good Samaritan law or affirmative uh,
3: defenses defense. or immunity, and yeah, those those are all tied together.
2: And and, um, and so I think I think it's one of those. So so Lisa, what I do at the start of the school year with my superintendent class, so these are aspiring or new superintendents. There's a there's a scenario that I run, which is authentic to Wisconsin. This happened in our state last year. Um, elementary student with autism wanders from a playground. Um, at recess. And they go into uh, private property. And on the other side of private property is Lake Michigan. And there are, you know, two two questions that, that I pose to the students on this. One is, you know, your staff come out and, you know, do you send your staff onto clearly marked private property to search for the student? That's one question. Like, what do you do? I'm not telling you what to do. I'm just asking, them, what would you do? And the second one is, you have somebody show up with a drone. They heard the 911 call over their scanner and they're like, I'm here. I live next door, right? You know, it's this rural area. I have a drone. I can have it up in the air in 60 seconds and start looking for this kid. Like, do you accept the drone? Um, so those are the type of, and those split, those always split 50-50 because I ask them and then I get people index cards and say, write your answer down. And I learned this like a couple of years ago, you can't do conditional responses. Yes. But first I would run this person through our background check situation. you know, our software. I'm like, yeah, you can't do that. Right. You have to add yes or no. So this always splits 50 50. And I'm thinking, Oh, like that's not good. And usually when it splits, I ask the no people and like, I could get in trouble because a drone maybe isn't supposed to fly over private property. And I would be held liable for that. Or if a staff member tripped and sprained their ankle, like I could be sued because I told them to go on a private property and I'm like, okay, those all make sense. But also like you have a a child with autism who's approaching a lake. Right. So, Mm -hmm. um, so, but, but then we could talk about what we're, you know, right now, like, they, they never hear anything about this. Their organizations never say anything. You never see anything on TV about it. You don't read anything about it. No one's ever taught about, about this. So, yeah, if we're just to give a basal understanding for people, uh, uh, just wh- what, do you, what would you want people to know? And how do you think it would be effective? Like through, again, TV commercials, through billboards, through, you know, we're kind of creating the future here.
3: I mean, I think that yeah, there's there's legal there's legal education. There is um, ethical education that needs to happen. There's also you know this is part of emergency training. This yes. should be part of emergency training and to be prepared for what what happens and to understand what your rights and responsibilities are as, you know, teacher, superintendent, school principal, you know, in this. Um, you know, a lot of times the good spare and laws are coupled. You'll see a lot of education about them in things like CPR classes. Um, you know, most CPR classes include the education about how to operate in AED. Um, so I think... Yeah, you know, the more that we can do outreach on emergency preparedness, then I think that's that's the way that you, you couch the lesson is this is, you know, if you're helping in an emergency, you may have protection. And that's the thing with the law is that it's not cut and dried.
2: Yeah. That scares me when you say that. You're like you might have protection. So may. May. <laughs> may it, 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 you may. So when I, you know, I saw this accident unfolding in front of me like 100 yards in front of me on the way back from teaching a legal class. Again, I'm not a lawyer, but it's legal issues and school mm-hmm. stuff. So a superintendent class nonetheless. Like and there was there was a a truck merging in it no, an SUV merging and it hit the back of a truck and the truck spun around. And, and uh, so, and it was on the interstate. I'm like, holy smokes, like I'm going to be the first one on scene. And, uh, and, you know, I was a firefighter. So there's some things that automatically kind of go in. Like I need to position my vehicle in a safe way. I I quickly grabbed like a flashing red light handheld thing from my, my trunk um, and went over and then, you know, I'm serving the scene my own safety, right. And then telling people to get back into their vehicles because they're, tr- they're getting out, trying to see the damn. <laughs> like, you can be hit. There's cars coming past here 70 miles an hour. But, um, but you know, I, I didn't measure my response to that. And kind of what you're saying is, I think this is happening to people, whether it's that, or it's, it's someone choking. Like I'm, I, if I do the Heimlich maneuver, right. And I break a rib, am I going to be sued? And, and to me, this is really a state, it, it, it's a state issue, right? It, because these are state mm-hmm. laws. This is a state issue of informing the public and, the, and you know, again.
3: Well, there's some exceptions to that. Okay.
2: So, so what are the, what are the exceptions?
3: So if you had uh, the person who was choking, who gets injured as a resident of one state and the person who rescued them as a resident of another state, and the damages they're claiming are over $75,000, then that can get removed to federal court. And what they would do is basically play by federal court procedural rules, but apply the state law where the incident happened.
2: Okay. Gotcha. <laughs> I think so, so let's say you it's know, in Texas. Like all
3: these little, you know, it's like a choose your own adventure book.
2: <laughs> well it, it, you know Lisa though I I'm glad that we're having this conversation because I think what you're you're underscoring right is that this is murky and people what people so people in my class will, you know, they'll point out the one example where this went really bad for somebody, right where they tried to do something and whatever they botched it or there was a, a ruling against them and then they'll use that as their precedent versus the 95 other situations where, this wasn't a negative outcome, and it didn't end up with someone uh, fighting this out in, in court. So, so I, th- I think what you're doing is you're underlining the need for a dedicated public service campaign on this, right? I I, I think that's I, th- I think that's pretty. Because again, I'm looking at this and saying I don't know. I don't know for sure. And again, a public service campaign doesn't make it black and white. It just brings more information. To the the topic, and if and if the goal of the public service campaign is, yeah, people will will con, you know more people would consider stopping at an accident because they understand our state's immunity. But right, that is it's still always going to be subjective versus the context. One person comes up and they're like, you know, the vehicle is burning, and I thought it could have exploded at any point. So they pull somebody from the vehicle, and then an expert witness comes in a legal case and says, that was just like incidental burning of like a, a, you know, a door panel, right? That wasn't the engine and door panels don't explode. This person's like, I don't know. I don't remember. I was just, I was adrenalized. I saw some guy fight a kangaroo. I was driving back from that. It was awesome. <laughs> it was a distilling company owner. It went 15 rounds. It was a draw. And then, you know, it's was just like, oh. I saw this person and then I went and I ran up there. And, and I thought, in my opinion, in my discretion, right? that um, I needed to get them away from this. So, um, so you talked about in, in law school, this was covered. So, um, and again, you know, maybe this comes up to you as an attorney, some similar situation like this, how, again, how would you help inform people about this or, or try to, I I guess we don't want to create a situation where people are measuring every decision they make about against, am I going to be, what will this look like in court? And I, I know maybe that's maybe the way the world is, but also like, mm-hmm. right. We talked about the kid and who was lost and right. You can't have a staff member saying, oh, I got to call a superintendent. Superintendent's got to call a lawyer before we start a rescue and, you know, responders won't be here for another 10 minutes. And so like that just doesn't function in the real world. So, um, so, yeah, I guess help, help me out. On when you were a student going through this, I mean, did it seem kind of black and white or was it real fuzzy back then? Or,
3: oh, yeah, it's, it's fuzzy.
2: Okay,
3: <laughs> I mean, um, and this sounds like a great towards final examination scenario, um, where you know, you're, you're going to take into account all of these different factors and, you know, over the course of the semester, you would have gone over case law that, you know, may not have been consistent, but it's it's still influential case law, even if it's not precedential or binding on a particular state court. Um, so, yeah, they... It's not black and white. And, and that's why, you know, law school exams are a, they're a different beast.
2: (laughs) Wow. So, so again, you know, I'm, so now like I'm, I'm putting my, my mindset right in, in the person who, if I drive tomorrow and I, and get, I see an accident or right. I, Something has happened. Somebody I'm driving past and someone is roofing a a house, right? And I see them actually fall from from the roof and and land, right? Um, and I'm like, whoa, I've got to, I've got to go, you know, check on that person. Um how how do we move, in your opinion, again, not legal advice, but in your opinion, to helping people to be confident to help other people yet still aware that there are, there's this, these legal bumpers that we function within, right? Because if we don't have this, this helping each other, like that's just a deterioration of society, right? So mm-hmm. how do we, how do we work within that? I think- like, My God, not complicated questions. It's cold I- here today. Oh, there's a guy fighting God. a kangaroo. I'm trying to to figure out that legal defense. That's got national international yeah, written all over it.
3: He's the one that <sighs>
2: <sighs> Why but I so so, the, so I you right know though that oh, you oh
3: Yeah, there's this emoji that um has a raised eyebrow and like the mouth is straight across and it's, it's kind of
2: like this judgy emoji. Right.
3: Yeah. That's my emoji that I use for Joe all
2: the time. <laughs> We're talking about our good friend, uh, Joel at, uh, old Umble. So yeah, you can check out that channel on YouTube and you should, you should, um, old Umble distilling company are our, our good friend. And Joe. you'll see is more
3: it... of me there. So
2: Yes, yes, absolutely. So, um, So, all right, the PBS people have just uh, buzzed into my ear again. They're like, hey, what's Lisa thinking? Uh, we got a meeting tomorrow morning at 7.
3: Oh, right, right. So, you know, I think the way to approach this is through um, first aid training, CPR training, emergency preparedness, um, it, you know, and whether that's. Hurricanes or flooding or earthquakes, or like I think that there are a lot of ways to incorporate this into emergency training. I don't think that there's a way, I have a hard time seeing a way for this to stand on its own because it's just so great. <laughs>
2: Well, more or less maybe a week, which is like emergency preparedness week. And, and then within that context of saying, you know, yeah. In addition to right your first aid CPR training, if right, you.
3: Yeah. Right. Like if you're performing CPR and you crack somebody's ribs, that it, which is very likely.
0: Yes. And the
3: training for CPR tells you that it's, you know, you should be pressing that hard. Right. Um, you know, I think that's a, that's a good place to say, you know, even if you injure someone, you're still, you still have legal protection. Um, but it's not like, you, it, there's just no absolute. Right. There are very few absolutes in law. Okay. It's not as black and white as what you might think
2: so as far as um let's say evidence okay so if if i'm doing something i mean people these days it's crazy right they pull out their phone and they try to film everything but Mm -hmm. is it uh is it uh, advisable to tell people immediately after this has concluded pull out your phone and pull out your recording app and just record your memory, right? So you don't have a big distance between the the event and your recall of it. You're saying I came up, I was driving down the road. I saw this or whatever. So you have that record. I, I guess at least I was in a car accident where I was in the middle of this, this cluster of vehicles on the interstate um, three years ago. And I remember the as soon as I got home, um, I sat down with a notepad and wrote down like everything. Right. And then mm-hmm. I had that ready to, for my, um, insurance company and things like that but it was was just it trying to to do that in and, and afterwards to get a picture it was dark but i could i took a couple pictures at least to try to to give an orientation of of what was going on um but but i i guess what 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 do you th- so again this is the pbs folks i'm i'm uh, i'm tony from pbs uh, what's what's evidence that people might show without trying to set their phone up on a tripod and saying, okay, I'm going to administer CPR to this person, so, like, you can see that I'm actually trying to do it with fidelity, and I think it was, you know, whatever. And, you know, where, um, I guess, does, does it make sense where someone might, like, after the event is done, to go on their phone and use their own, like, recording app to just try to tell their own story as a record that they're not yeah. putting up the, to everybody, right? They're just doing it and saying, this happened 20 minutes ago. Um, Okay. And maybe take a picture of like the scene so people can kind of get a context of of what's going, of of what they saw. Mm
3: -hmm. Yeah. those those are both really good suggestions. Um, In order to get the photos admitted into evidence, uh, and these are discoverable by the other side. So, you know, the person who was in the accident who was injured would, you know, if they were either, if they were pursuing a claim against the rescuer, then they would be entitled to those photographs or to that recording. Um, it would also be um, they might also try and get that information if they're suing the person who caused the accident.
0: Okay. But there are different
3: rules for discovery of from third parties. So the way that they would have they would have to authenticate those photos and basically say, Yes, I took the photo. This is a fair representation of of the scene as it was at the time. And, you know, no, there haven't been any adulterations or, or to the photo. And so there's there's a whole line of testimony that they have to give in order to put the photo into evidence. Okay. Now everybody's favorite topic. Yay! <laughs> Yes. Okay. So hearsay is a statement that is made outside of the courtroom for the the phrase is for the truth of the matter asserted. So it's a statement that was made outside of the courtroom and whoever is trying to get that statement into evidence is saying that the statement is true. Um, so in the law, the the rules of evidence concerning hearsay, there are like 26 exceptions under in the federal rule of evidence is eight hundred three, and the Texas rules of evidence is eight hundred three. I'm sure it's eight hundred three, and everybody. Okay. Um, one of the exceptions, it's called present sense impression, and what that means is, say you did the recording very soon after the incident happened. That would be really good evidence of what your what your impression, what your story was at the time that it happened. And because of the recency of that statement to the incident, that's going to be a of reliability. Okay. Whereas, you know, you don't do a recording, you don't make an a entry in your diary, um, you're just, you're asked. To do a deposition two and a half years later
2: right right
3: um, so that is that's an excellent thing for someone to do now if they don't do it is it horrible no um, but with the way you know with everybody having a cell phone on them with everybody having you know, some sort of voice memo app right. built into the phone that i mean it's just it's a tool at literally at your fingertips um that can help later should anything come up
2: so i i like that um so so maybe you know maybe something that could be on this pbs i, I know we're getting a uh, down on uh to to the end of the show here or maybe like on pbs would be like yeah you know bring out your your phone you know and and it's it's different right people bring out their phone and record the instant and they don't help so they're like well but uh but after the event you know um right you it's pretty ubiquitous to have recording apps on phones don't stream it like but just to your own your own record say here's where i'm at here's the time this happened and, and maybe again some pictures for context even providence, right, of establishing the order of, of how things happen. Um, and then, you know, I, I guess keeping that or if law enforcement is asking for that or if your insurance company or your attorney or whatever, but uh, but I, I think that time stamped. One of the things I learned just in years of being an administrator, right, and investigating things is, is you want to write up whatever happened as soon as, as soon as,
0: Mm-hmm. As close
2: to the event as, as possible and have people that were there and also have them do it individually so they're not kind of collectively trying to create a narrative. Um, but that is much more accurate, right? Because, right, if we go home and we watch that night at TV show and there's a car accident and Starsky and Hutch or something, it's like that, you know, starts to to change kind of our, our thinking and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, so I, I could see something like that, like demoed in a commercial or even, even taught to people uh, with CPR and, and first aid and things like that. It's like afterwards you have the ability now in the old days, you know, you had to write everything down. You have the ability to quickly go on an app um, and not only narrate, you know, what happened and try to timestamp it, but you can take pictures. And not take pictures of the person necessarily, but you can say, this is where this was. And And I think one of the things I've seen, at least in school litigation is, the power of video and the power of photos that are time-stamped mm-hmm. um, has been enormous for anything that's gone on. Of saying this is where this happened and whatever this hallway or out in front of this and this entrance and somebody slipped on a sidewalk. Okay, here was a picture the moment after it happened, and you can see like there's already salt on the sidewalk, so it was appropriately salted and. Then you have to go back, and when was it was it salted just before the picture was taken, and whatever. But um, see, that's
3: a premises liability case. Okay, uh, that's that's an example of of a premises liability case. Um, So, a twist on your scenario: of you know rescuer goes to pull somebody out of a homeowner's pool. That the rescuer gets hurt. Yes. On the land, that's a premises liability case. But because the rescuer was trespassing, there's a very there's a very very low duty that a landowner or a possessor has to a trespasser. So you know, this kind of, I know that's not really like your school superintendents are interested in, but that's, um, well, I mean, maybe they should be, you know, if they're the ones going onto the land and they get hurt, you know, that, that is part of their, the risk analysis.
2: So what I, what I tell people on this is, um, and I, you know, obviously I'm like, (laughs) I'm not your school attorney and, you know, I'm not going to advise you your school legal counsel, but, you know, um, You know, you these are questions that you need to. I always say, like, have a notepad down, and we do this in class and say, here's a question you need to ask your school attorney of what you should do on this. And and this, and this falls into that um, area of what would your school attorney advise? You're still going to have to make a decision in the moment, like, what would you do? Um, But it is. Yeah. So like somebody, you know, runs onto that property where the pool is and there's a tree and they hit their head on a low branch on the tree and they get knocked unconscious. And it's like, well, if you wouldn't have run over here, like there's really no need to trim this tree higher. Like you just ran a certain path and hit your head on a tree. Right. That that's not the homeowner's responsibility because people aren't going to be running under this tree normally. And um, so
3: that would also be an open
2: and obvious hazard
3: which is, sorry, you're, you're kind of getting an love premises liability.
2: <laughs> Would I be a good attorney? I'm not going to. Um, yeah. Yeah. Not,
3: don't, don't take on this six figure debt for law school.
2: Yeah. I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to, uh, to go back in that. Uh, or I've never done that, but I did do some expert witness work, uh, which was very intense. One of the things that caught me off guard on expert witness work was once you, you begin it, it's like a four to five year commitment on a case. And I thought it would be like, you know, I would be in and it'd be like six months and it's like, Nope, it's this. And then it's additional. And then, you know, it's, and then these people are dismissed from the case, but these people are still in it. And, and I had had one case that I needed to work with a lawyer to actually get me out of the case because the, um, the case, I thought had changed um, over time. Like when I was initially brought on, I thought it was about this. I was, I was working with these, these school policies and stuff. And then it, it changed uh, halfway, halfway through. There was some dismissal of some of the parties. And I said, I'm no longer an expert in like what you're trying to litigate against. Like that's changed. Mm-hmm. And they didn't want to let me go. They're like, no, you, you've started this. You have to keep going. And I'm like, I know Lisa in Texas. They're like, well, that'll help out somewhat, but not that won't get you we're not going to we're not going to let you off that early or, or that easy and then i was like well and, and finally like i was able to you know to get out of this because i said you're 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 bringing me in an area i just don't have expertise right i mean it it got to be on the side area like initially when i was
0: mm-hmm. was
2: brought into the team like it was it was front and center and i think i did a good job with everything that i did in that regard but um so as we as we we close down we have a we have a question here though i want you to to, to consider it's this is vanessa kitty um and she said should everyone wear video feed recording devices like body cams and actually i've heard i've heard people say this you know like you should have a joe dolio tactical wisdom a pen that records everything um i had an attorney the last guest on the show um an attorney also from from texas the legal man said dash cams might make sense for everybody and he was considering it Um, is this, so, so let's say, you know, it's a hundred bucks and you can have a a pen. I guess we all have phones like, but should we be recording everything that we're doing almost? This is more philosophical it's not advice, but I mean, what do you, you you know how videos weighed in court?
3: Sure. Um, I mean, I'm not considering doing it, but you have the question of what do you do when nobody's looking? But if you know somebody's looking, I think that puts more pressure on people to do the the right or ethical or moral thing. So I don't know.
2: Well, maybe there's this there's this quasi argument, right, that if if a person is is overtly recording things like they they're saying, I anticipate that this could be brought in for discovery or something. So I believe in my own discretion and best interest in these situations. So I'm not trying to hide anything. I'm trying to be really transparent. I'm di- I'm, I'm also trying to think about, you know, school scenarios where um School administrators say we've we've we are covering more of our school campus with high definition cameras. And the question now is like, do we start to do classroom cameras? And there are many issues with that. Some some of it is like um, instruction. Okay, so here's the company that we bought our curriculum from. And they're saying if you display this out to the public, you're violating the rights to the curriculum that you purchase. Right. And, and so that's there obviously portrayal, you know, students, if there's any video that's leaked outside of the schools, there's, you know, some, mm-hmm. some student privacy. So, but, but I, but schools are starting to go there in areas that traditionally it was always a web, it was hallway, maybe entrances, those areas had, had cameras and now schools are like, well, let's just kind of put them everywhere, um, you know, outside of bathrooms and locker rooms and stuff like that. But um, okay. So that is um, let's see here. Whoa, see if we have any other questions. And and so, what would you call this day of uh, or or this this week? Would it be like a emergency responders week or?
3: No, I mean because it's not. It, it doesn't apply just to people who are you know volunteer firefighters or you know professional emergency responders.
0: Um.
3: You know, this is, these are regular people who are members of the public who maybe, you know, happen, they happen upon an accident. They walk into a room and somebody starts choking or, you know, there are these random things that happen that people just walk into. Yes. Like my experience with the train. Yes. or at the Owl. And, um, you know, it really helps to be prepared. And you know, I just, I living in, in Houston and, um, thankfully I was not here for Hurricane Harvey, but right, you know, right. emergency preparedness is a big thing here in Houston and in Harris County. And, um, I just like I I think this should be something that starts to be addressed in you know, at appropriate age levels so that we start to have this culture of emergency preparedness and safety and assisting other other people. So but as for what I would market the
0: week as
2: I don't. Uh, we'll I don't,
3: have to sit and brainstorm that for a little yeah, while.
2: Yeah, There'll be like. I
3: mean, is, it needs a logo and maybe a mascot. It mask. needs
2: like a kangaroo like fighting some guy, and you're like, do I intervene in this or do I just let the kangaroo take him out? You know, that's that's where it goes. Please,
3: no, but just Let I, but, the kangaroo take him out.
2: Right. <laughs> I would let the kangaroo him, take and him he's out. Do like, hat. He's robust. He'll he'll rebound even if he gets knocked out. He'll be fine the next day. I don't want to intervene. In, the kangaroo's just you know, let him, let him do what he needs to do. But, uh, so I, I like Lisa actually, I mean, this to me has been a fascinating conversation because I, I think
3: the fact a little longer, so I'll, I'll cry uncle when,
2: Oh, like, so, so, okay, good. Well, um, okay. So, I mean, so people are, you know, kind of coming in here with, um, you know, the, um, you know, the questions of, yeah, should this good Samaritan week? That's, that's finesse and first aid. So when I, it was about um, maybe seven, eight years ago, Wisconsin passed a law that all of their high school students had to take a CPR class in order to graduate. And so that was a big step. Um, And actually it worked with the student. Yeah. It's, let me see if I can bring it up. Um, I worked with the student who helped get that law passed. So, um let me see if i can can bring this up on screen here so i don't know if my internet's what's going on here but i would lost a hard drive today like it's not been a good day for my uh the north star recording the north star recording studio has taking a, a couple direct hits here so uh mm-hmm. but okay so let me let me get the the video here
3: had electricity flicker a few times today because the
2: it, lightning was pretty bad. <laughs> I, I'm not sure what's going on here. So th- this is a video that is, I'm going to share this video um, and, and tell the story quick. Um, so I worked with a student. Yeah, my internet, my computer is just dogging. So I got to see what's going on here. But uh, um, you want to be on the show? So, oh my goodness.
3: It's Edward. It's
2: Edward. Edward is here. So, yeah, we occasionally Mr. Bojangles comes down for the show, but he's he's hanging out upstairs, got the fire going. And so this is a student um, when I worked at the school for the blind. I was an administrator at the school for the blind. This is a public uh, video. Um, This was he was awarded by the national CPR folks. They they came into the school. He was on TV. And so Kyle had a heart attack um, when he was in elementary school. So healthy student running around a track had a heart attack and the staff administered CPR. And then he had a second heart attack. Um, I don't know if it was a few months later, but he was instrumental in, in being kind of like a a spokesperson of youth, right? He was 16, 17 years old and he's talking to school districts and, and kids and saying, it happened to me. Like we, you need to be trained in CPR. And so that's me, that's, that's, um, Kyle. And he went on again to receive a national uh, award from CPR and subsequently the state of Wisconsin passed a law, um, that all high school graduates needed to be, um, trained in CPR. But so this was kind of a grassroots thing. I worked with Kyle and his family and, and we put together a PowerPoint and, and we filmed all of these we filmed like at the track because that's where he had his, his um, heart attack. We filmed actually at the school for the blind, the, the track and we put together this two minute video and uh, that was distributed out to all school districts by the state. Um, So, but uh, but yeah, so, so that was something um, I don't, but I, I I think, yeah, definitely uh, you know, some, and then also the courses should be free, right? I think if you're doing first aid and CPR, these courses need to be free, or at least like if American Red Cross or whatever organization is putting them on, that the government is paying that organization, right? That they're reimbursing the organization. So if citizens take the class, there isn't a cost to a citizen to take the class.
3: Well, um, I mean, ideally... Edward just fell off the
2: sofa. <laughs> Edward's crazy. <laughs>
3: Um, anyway, um, I mean, ideally, what you would have are corporate sponsorships and, and having companies give back to the give back to the community and doing community building and you know spreading this awareness. And um I was just having this conversation with someone the other day, and perhaps I'm getting more in my old age with the concentration of wealth. But anyway, um, aside from that, um, I, I think that um, making it accessible is really important. And um, JLM, where are you? What part of the country are you in?
2: JLM, yeah, What are you New York, New York City, Jim? his name is, is Jim, um, but he does JLM. But yeah, Jim, are you you're in New York City? So, let's see if he uh, So,
3: at least here in Houston. Jim, this is you- the
2: response to the question, by the way. But anyway, sorry about that. In Houston. <laughs> Jim, that's not the question I asked. Are you okay. what states you live in? Yikes. So I'll put it up when he when he posts it.
3: Just kind of lost in this whole <laughs> Michigan. Okay. Uh Jalen is in Michigan. Okay. Um so offhand, I don't know of any resources for a free course in your area, but in in Houston, the Junior League of Houston is the only organization that offers free CPR certification classes. And we do it through the our, our course comes from the American Heart Association. And it is uh we offer both the basic life saving class and then the one for healthcare professionals. And it is um it makes a real Impact on the community, and because we we trying to track um, where people, where in the city people are coming from for these classes, and okay. you know, demographics and things like that. But the the initial impression has been that you know people who need it for their work are typically we're not seeing the you know the neurosurgeon come in for this. We're seeing like the CNA and the full and you know people who aren't you know taking that chunk of money for the course. You know isn't a burden on them,
2: right? To right. be able
3: to do their job, right? Um, so, but in in all of Houston, you know, junior league is it as to who's offering free courses. So, um, that's not as ready, readily available as what you might think.
2: Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, just thinking locally, I can't remember any, I mean, I can't remember any advertisement, right. Of, Hey, like the hospital, right. Um, they'll do an outreach of learn, you know, relearn CPR, CPR refresher or first aid refresher or the fire department, you know, you can go there and get your blood pressure taken for free, but, um, right. It comes into time and, and, and staff. And also, I guess what people prioritize.
0: Well, there's also
3: the equipment. The, the are several hundred dollars a piece. Right. And they are getting more sophisticated. They now have um, adult, child, and infant sizes. Um, and so that, that's a big outlay for an organization who's going to teach these classes to have these things available. And there okay. are video materials and things like that. And it's unique to CPR training Is that there are no, a female mannequin is not required. And there's really no manufacturer of female mannequins. And um, there is a nonprofit group who is trying to get best into production that you can put on a regular mannequin. That would simulate the simulate the uh, the anatomy of of a woman um, it's, it's it's just something that's not addressed in courses, and, um, so that's kind of a, a shortcoming. That <laughs> I'm sorry, I just studied the CPR placement for the Junior leagues. And <laughs> yeah, all of this stuff. Uh, pouring out of my brain. So um, but that's something that also needs to be addressed to make these classes more comprehensive in addition to understanding what legal protections and legal ramifications are possible.
2: So how do, how do we, how do we do that? And I, I say it with thinking Okay, so CPR um, schools in Wisconsin have been buying uh, CPR mannequins, right? Since the, this law had, had passed four or five years ago, so we know there are there's a saturation somewhat in a community that wasn't there before, with at least some mannequins and, and some professional or or some training, right? But how do how do we? So you know, I, I'm I'm kind of thinking big, like you know, I'm I'm like, what would it take to actually get traction on this, right, that there's some funding behind it, there's, and does it, it have to be at a state level or a national level, and, and what does that look like, in our, and maybe, you know, FEMA, FEMA does uh, these, what's called uh, community emergency response teams, they come into communities, uh-huh. Bemidji, um, and God, I don't know, Albuquerque recently, and they're like, okay, we're doing a training, and here's what to do if you're in a car wreck. So they put you like in a car and they're like, here's how and if you're approaching a car and then they're like, here's what to do after a storm. Like if you're searching for people and here's what's, here's how to use the fire extinguishers. They're actually doing this with people. Mm-hmm. So I think that's that framework maybe exists to some extent, but, but I think there's this massive lack of accessibility for just, gen, you know, people in general. And what if you have also like childcare, right? Like you're like, mm-hmm. I I can, I can do this, but if, if there's childcare provided, that's one thing, if there's not childcare provided, I'm not sure I'd be able to participate in this. Um, even like trying to get transported to something, like I'm not mm-hmm. sure if, I, so these who would consider these barriers and remove these barriers? And again, I think it's a matter of priorities. Like none of this is trying to do Apollo 13, right? I mean, it's it's coming down and, and, and saying, and this, right, all these things benefit you the individual because this can happen in your own life like you can be eating supper tomorrow and someone around the table is like oh my goodness you know like i'm i'm choking right so you have these the you know this this skill set or at least this this sequence you you've burned into your brain okay airway breathing circulation right that the, uh-huh. the course has taught you so i'm really i'm really passionate about this um because well i i think it is this thing that that benefits all of society it benefits the individual um, and and yet right and his and use at least I, th- I think there's this whole opportunity for corporate sponsorship. I wrote about that actually in velocity of Info- Jesus book like glued down here, the velocity of information. <laughs> um, you know, I wrote where you know at the start of a pandemic a, a fitness campaign, fitness and fortitude, you know might have been an, a, a viable partnership. Uh, between government and private, you know, businesses, Nike and Amazon or whatever. But, um, but right, like, you know, yeah, what if, what if, you know, Amazon, for example, sponsors Thursday night football, right? So what if Amazon sponsored, you know, the, um, a a week that was devoted to this and gave so much money out to, um, here's CPR brought to you by, and first aid brought to you by Amazon, which I don't think is a bad thing. Um, but I mean, that would be really kind of a, a cool thing, right. Or, or afterwards, you know, or, you know, Nike and maybe their feature, a couple athletes who, you know, had a, you know, cardiac arrest while playing sports, you know, which, which has happened forever, you know, and, mm-hmm. and I think some of those stories can be, be centered, but right. I, I like where that partnership. And I think there's this thing of, of where, I don't know, maybe like people there's for young people, you need to kind of think it's. I don't even know if it's cool. I don't want to say that in an aloof manner, but I think there has to be this way that it's kind of like a cool skill. Like I know this or I'm kind of, um, I don't know if I'm, if I'm portraying that right, but you know where it's not like, so one of the things Kyle said, remember Kyle from school for the blind who had the heart attack when he was in seventh grade, he said when people think heart attack, they always think, Oh, it's the 70 year old person that had a heart attack. They never think of the 13 year old kid who had a heart attack. Mm -hmm. Right. So, um, so yeah, like I like that. Um, so yeah, so this you know some kind of sponsorship and and some kind of uh, I mean you could even do yeah donate mannequins. So schools receive and this is kind of recent in the last like ten years. Most schools get all their epipens donated by pharmacies, Walgreens, you know, Rite Aid, all of that. They donate to the schools. And they'll say, here's your EpiPens. And schools used to fork out a hundred bucks ah. to keep one in the gym, keep one in the, the lunchroom, mm-hmm. keep one in the office. And now those have kind of just become this, this donation. So, um, I, I like that. I'm still trying to, to wrap my mind around like what it, what, so as a, as an attorney, how to, what gets people's attention is, I mean, maybe you're obviously well money, but I mean, what gets people's attention to be interested in things?
3: You need somebody in marketing Yeah, that
2: but it is probably a marketing <laughs> that is probably a marketing question of like what draws people but again, see but that is something that could definitely be done, right? There could be a marketing well, team to do yeah, that.
3: Yeah. Yeah. There certainly could be. I think that um I mean, for a lot of women in the general league to volunteer for the CPR program, for example. Um many of them have children and that's a motivator so that they're because they're going to get certified in CPR and they're going to get certified to be a trainer. and you know there's they derive a lot of security from knowing that skill so that you know if their children are ever in need of that, you know they're able to, to be there and provide it um, and hopefully, you know, with having the the practice and the basically a, like a muscle memory of that skill that right. they'll just go and do it rather than panicking because it's their child um, and nobody's there to help. And so.
2: Oh, my goodness. Look at that guy.
3: Think how kind of creepy. <laughs> um, but. So that's, that's one motivation is that you can see an immediate need around you or an immediate potential around you. Um, I think, you know, I think altruism and just, you know, loving your neighbor and caring about, caring about the people around you, whether you know them or not, um, you know, just being in a position to help, I think motivates a lot of people. Um, and if it were one of the, one of the things that a lot of the, the volunteers talked about in the study was how they were intimidated to sign up for this volunteer opportunity at first because they were concerned that training other people or, you know, learning and then training other people was going to be difficult. Right. And it's not. Um, they were surprised at how easy it was. They were surprised at how well um, the American Heart Association has the course set up um, and all of the training materials and training videos that it, they really have a system to walk you through step by step on okay. how to teach someone else. And you know, a lot of that is, it, it, I, I think that pulling away some of that mystery um, by, you know, maybe public service campaigns or maybe, you know, more, you know, like on morning show segments or something or, right. you know, just, just pulling away some of that, that mystery of it and exposing, you know, this is easy and you really should dig into the, um, because you never know, you never know when you're going to need it.
2: Yeah. I like that, you know, and when you said public service campaign and morning shows, right? Like, you know, we've got our morning local news, you know, folks and because mm-hmm. they're relatable. They're people you see in the community from time to time. Uh, mm-hmm. So, so, yeah, if, if they were to come on and, and, and to share a personal experience, right, that they, that they had. Um, actually, th- so we have Camp Randall here, the Wisconsin Badgers, and in 1993, the Badgers had won a big game and fans were rushing toward the field, but um, the fence, um, w- w- people are being pinned against the fence and sub- several people are severely injured and the uh, the players and, and just people in, you know, were, were jumping in to try to help these people who had been crushed. Right. And, and so at later people told stories of like that changed, me forever like you know i'm trained now in cpr first aid like i'm scoping out like my environment and trying to uh you know just be be safer in what i do but then also have these these skills and and they talked to like uh players who had helped out and how they you know had continued to champion like being trained in safety and and or being trained in first aid and and getting involved if you can render assistance but that was pretty powerful like that was just recent because I think it was like the 25th anniversary or 30th. I remember like 1993 day. What is that? 29th year anniversary, whatever. But they had a thing on where they were, were interviewing these people. And, and it was interesting to me because a lot of these people, it was a, a changed director trajectory in their life. If they helped in that moment, they were kind of like permanent helpers. Like they had, and they conveyed this to other people. Like it's really important to, to have these skills. Um, I don't know if that, if that was kind of, but I, I, I like this, Lisa, because I, I, I can see this this kind of corporate and uh, public sponsorship. And I, I you know, I look at things and I'm like, why don't we spend money on, on right, you know, mannequins and different Thanks types of mannequins and child mannequins, <laughs> right? Another thing is child mannequins, right? In school, you know, everybody has the adult mannequin, but you, you're you at an elementary school. And it's like, well, you know, the 300 kids going to school here are all four feet tall, right? So, mm-hmm. um. How does, how does this work? And, and again, you know, it's, it, it's really been puzzling. I was thinking last night, I'm going to write a chapter about this. If I do another book of that case study where a student with autism wanders, which again is an authentic story. And, and I, I use that case study over and over and over again with different students and different groups. And, and it's always a split. It's always right down the middle and, and the, the, the justification for why and why not is always the same. And I'm like, that just, it seems like there's something missing here. Like, at least let's have a debate. I'm not, I won't tell you what to do, right? Cause you have to make your own decision based upon context and situation, but but at least let's have this discussion. And what, what completely fills in that narrative is like, we've never been told this by our professional organizations. The state doesn't tell us anything. Like we've got our teaching license. We've never covered this once. The district never covers it. And so I'm like, yeah, so let's cover it here and, and then, you know, maybe maybe this needs to be a breakout session at your state education conference where you come in and, and whether it's this or whether it's a student is running toward a road, right? Um, they mm-hmm. get out of their parents' car and for some reason they're bolting toward a road and a staff member runs up and just barely grabs them to, to but then the kid then breaks an arm because, but then if they would have got out to this busy road, right, these and, and at least have some legal counsel that work with school districts come in and talk about this or some schools. And again, just have these discussions and, and let people know this, yeah, we recognize this happens. There's these gray areas, right? There's these complex areas um, and kind of where discretion and best interest fits into that. And you can't game plan everything, but, um, and then, yeah, just as you said, Lisa, the emphasis on, so, that's a good point. Like when I talked with my superintendents' fault, I, I forgot this. I didn't say how many of you do CPR and first aid training. I never asked that question. What I had my students do is I said, I want you to take at your next staff meeting, bring Post-it notes. Um, take Post-it notes at your staff meeting and tell people after the staff meeting to put a Post-it note, with their name on it, on their uh fires the fire extinguisher that's closest to the room right and um or you know the fire alarm or the ad one of the three but not all three like just have them pick one and then take a picture of it and you have to bring it to class email me and i'll put it up on screen and tell a story you know about it like ask people you know and in the one soup set i had people who said i taught here for 10 years and i never realized there was a fire extinguisher across the hall from me never thought about it once right um, so like inventorying your assets oh. but then also like do you have the authority to use it or or like would you have to call the principal because you're like i shouldn't use this i've never been trained on this so
3: do you know how to use
2: it? do you know how to use it and if yeah and and would you would you grab it and what do you, you know if there's a what what constitutes us because they're in all schools right but what constitutes a situation where we, you'd use it you know if a student had been you know if, if you see somebody who's has their clothing on fire, and you're right there. Would you grab it and try to put it out or if there's a small fire, or would you just because we're never trained on that, right? No one is. No one knows the conditions under which to actually use a fire extinguisher. Um, and and that's really to me that it's really strange. Like we have these things, and, I, and one one student responded to me and they said, "I wouldn't." The the thing with the AED in our schools, Dave, is like we were told that the pads for the AEDs are really expensive, like a hundred bucks each. So like man, if I used it and I didn't have to use it, that's like a hundred bucks gone. And I'm like, yikes, like I get it. But also like, you can't, you, if you can't think that way, right. You, right. Just, somebody said that and maybe it's a fact, right. So that's indisputable. It, it does cost a hundred dollars, but, um, but I is, that, I,
3: is that worth more than a kid's life?
2: Right. And and so it's this whole thing. So I, what I do is I tell school administrators, I'm like, tell people you have their back, right? You know, if they, if there's a situation where there's an AED or, you know, if they deem, they had to pull the fire alarm because they, they see smoke coming out of a room or something. And, and we talk about situations where like, um, 1950, our lady of angels fire in Chicago, there, one of the nuns was teaching and they, she was made aware of a fire by two students and the nun was trying to find the principal. And by the time they found the principal, it's too late. Ninety-two students perished in the fire. But if they would have pulled the alarm right away, but the nun didn't pull the alarm right because the principal can only authorize pulling the alarm. So, um, so these are all things, and I, I think it's amazing that we aren't more overt as a society on this, to, which is really basic to human, um, how humans exist, right? That you, that we train people that we put systems in place to help people in their own self-preservation and preservation of others and champion that. And it's just nowhere, like you, you're to be a teacher, you're not required to have CPR or first aid. Um, wow. So I, so, so I struggle, I struggle with these things. So then I kind of buck the system a little bit of saying, you know, like, why not? Like, why are we, mm-hmm. why are we not doing this and like, go down to Texas? I'm like I'm not I'm going to Texas. They always try to like dispatch me out of the state.
3: It's yeah. a nice place here.
2: Well, I know that's not be, it's, and it's yeah. not as cold it's and
3: th- it rarely snows
2: I, and no. we've
3: got really good barbecue brisket.
2: I like all those that's things. Nuts. How's the how's the rattlesnake situation? Is is that as bad as what the you know like the History Channel and those the Travel Channel makes it out to be like rattlesnakes?
3: Not. Uh, not in urban areas and okay. not, um, rattlesnakes are, they tend to be further west where it's drier okay. and hotter. So yeah, we got other stuff here.
2: Yeah, that's, we have rattlesnakes here in Wisconsin. Um, and actually right next to me, uh, we have a, it's, it's called devil's lake, it's a state park and it's this, this huge rocky outcropping thing, but there there's rattlesnakes over there. Like it's very common. So, like, people say, like, oh, like, if you live in a warm weather area, you got rattlesnakes. like, yeah, but we've got things like that here. Plus, like, snow and ice and, <laughs> yeah, you know, the, the whole rattlesnake thing has been, you know, it's like quicksand. And maybe when we were growing up, right, like, you always had to be watching for quicksand. I remember being out with my friends would be fishing. Like, I don't know, go over. Don't go over there, man. That's quicksand. Like, I never saw quicksand. And
3: yeah, plus, like, I don't yeah, think it's, it's the
2: way it's portrayed in movies.
3: It's, it's not quite like that. Uh, it, it is more... Uh, you, you do have to be more careful about rattlesnakes than quicksand. They're they're more abundant than what quicksand is.
2: Wow are Are you trained in CPR and first aid? And are you like um, like currently trained? I'm not. Okay.
3: I'm not currently trained. Um, I need to I need to go take that CPR course. The Junior League. <laughs> so, but
2: yeah. No. So, so to recap, so Lisa, this has been, this has been phenomenal. It really has. I appreciate this because, um, you know, if, if we right are, are kind of struggling through this, this conversation in in the, in the fact, right. That, yeah, you know, that this should be more ubiquitous, right. The access to first aid and safety training, and then also some of the, the parameters under a, Applying it and using your own initiative and evaluating situations like how does how does someone even assess a situation Do a risk assessment of a situation like is it safe to go there as a firefighter remember this will always be be my brain never get off the truck until you look for down power lines boom like that was just over and over and over and over again like never leave the truck until you've surveyed for down power lines Um, because right in the past people get off a truck and three steps later that would be it. Uh, so like who's taught to survey, right? And how do you, how do you do this as part of a more comprehensive thing? It can be after a bad storm comes through your neighborhood, or again, you're coming up upon a car accident. How do you make sure that you're not walking yourself into danger the best you can? Like what are, and these things are like, we can, we can do this. This isn't, this isn't crazy stuff we're talking about. It's a matter of priorities. Um, a commitment to it so yeah amazon nike i'm trying to figure out who else could bring us the the cpr the cpr stuff old humble distilling company that could be kind of their thing that'll the we're, distilling we're
3: not quite there yet <laughs> that, that,
2: that, that brings us a cpr training like yeah i remember them like you know that, that would be a good thing actually this would be something that joe i think would be on on board with. right it's not i'm not I, saying yeah. it's appropriate in the scale and stuff but I would say the mindset he'd. he'd, Yeah, let's let's
3: wait until we actually make profit.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Oh my goodness! Yeah, yeah, that's that's like my uh, broker. He's like Dave. You know, let's if we'll harvest some tax losses. I'm like, I'm not going to live to be 150, dude. I'm like, at some point, this doesn't make sense. He's like, let's talk about CPR first aid. I'm like, all right, I'm there. But uh, (laughs) so anything. Um, anything in closing?
3: Well, uh, I think that if you ever want to revisit this topic, we should
2: talk about the open fields doctrine. Uh, Oh, I didn't mean, I didn't mean to remove you. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, Nope, I'm not going there. You said open, open fields. Yes. The open fields doctrine.
3: Uh, it would be something that applies in a rural area, especially in, um, you know where you have acres of farmland or ranch land, um, or even you know, it just very it, it it concerns very large acreage and how much of a an expectation of privacy and trespassing can an uh, owner really expect? Okay. Um, so
2: I mean that that's a and I think
3: that plays in favor of your um your first responders um you know if there's like a school resource officer or police officer um yeah, you know, that would be really helpful to know. And even, you know, I just you know, the the importance of trying to retrieve that child who is heading towards danger. Right. Um yeah, I just I think that outweighs a lot of. Well, we've got this fence with the no trespassing sign. Um, you know, I think people are just so concerned about being sued that you know we don't have a whole lot of common sense or a whole lot of empathy, and we forget that judges and juries. They
2: do have empathy, right? And I, wow. I think that statement is really powerful. You know how you, and I, I go back to I had a guest um, from Windsor, Ontario, Graham Wilson, who was a flight instructor on the show about two months ago, and he was also underscoring this this thing of primacy, right? Like if if, if somebody teaches you this, or someone even talks about this in the media or a morning show or whatever, like you're more likely to remember this. It's more likely to kind of stick in in your mind. Uh, You know, especially if it's someone that you think is maybe prominent as a celebrity or public official or, you know, the the person on your morning news. And, and so, yeah, I mean, I, I think this makes, this makes a lot of sense. Um, And right. A a jury and a judge and, and uh, um, but I, I, I mean, I'm really excited about this. I'll go back and I'll listen. I'll actually probably do some transcribing on this because open field doctrine. And, and I want to bring this back with my students in spring. So I have a new group of students. I already have four students enrolled for the spring class. I don't know any of the names. Awesome. Like, Who is this person? Yeah. So um, we, we, we concluded, I still have one student though um, that I have to, he, he missed the final uh, class. He was ill. And we we've, we've been trying to schedule like a, a makeup time to uh, to do that, but uh, um, but yeah, it's been it's been really invigorating um, when we get into you know these types of, of case studies with students and these these kind of discussions and 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 what I always try to do with them, you know, Lisa, is I just I try to say like, why aren't you hearing this from your state organizations that you're paying thirty five thousand dollars a year to be a member of these seven organizations and they hold conferences and the conferences are like the eight characteristics of a functional school board. I'm like, well, okay, like maybe, but like we also need to discuss this, you know, this needs to be something that is talked about. Um, so to, to have them kind of go back and to not press their organizations, but to make their organizations aware, like I have questions on this, like let's talk about this right. as a state. And what if our department of public instruction, you know, where they required um, students to get CPR, what if that became a staff, Thing too and mm-hmm. or you know um so so i'm ex- i'm excited about this um Sorry. yeah yeah i know I'm, I'm i'm excited i'm excited about this and every halloween i'm a firefighter so i still pull out the old turnout gear now i look like a really old oh! firefighter one because i'm old and plus the turnout gear is old they're like are you are you are you a firefighter from like 1930 i'm like yes so um but uh yeah. And I, and I personally, I, I got fire I got my training when I was in college, which was one of, I think the best things. Um, Cause it was, it, you know, extremely methodical. Right. And I remember like, I was really good at arson investigation in the course. So I don't know why, but like they could, you know, you, they would bring you out to a scene and then they would say like, where did the fire start in like five minutes? I'd be like, start right here. So um, and they'd be like, yep. And you'd watch, you know, look at like the way that, you know, the burn patterns and like pine needles, the way that they fell and stuff like that. I was, I was like a savant with that. Set me anywhere and I can tell you like where the fire started. I wasn't great at other things, a lot of things, but that it was a splinter skill. Like was this bottle of whiskey. What brand whiskey? I don't, there's a, oh, the rest of it's burned off the label. They're like, darn it. Those bottles are unstable. <laughs> They're unstable. I tell you, you put them on any surface and they just wobble right off. Something like Wait,
3: our bottle?
2: No. I'm kidding. No. <laughs> I'm kidding with that. So no. And I did not say I did not say the uh no, I was just uh but it but it was kind of a funny thing. Like I was just like, huh, I found my I found my gift. I found my gift. Um so um cool. Well Here's what we're gonna do, folks, in the chat. What I'm going to do is we'll wrap up here with this show, and then I will start a follow-up show where we can have some additional discussions, right? But not we're not legally trying to parse this out, and then we can also talk about the some of the safety doc things, and we can talk about the sad story here of the hard drive. So, which could have used some type of first aid response. It, <laughs> it didn't receive it. And that is that was a harrowing tale, my friends. And you plug in a drive, and you're like, "Where's the e drive? Why is it not showing up?" Mm-hmm. And then I'm like, "Oh no!" I've heard stories of this happening. And then you're like, "Oh my god!" So, Lisa, thank you so much for being a guest on the show. Lisa's also a good friend. Yeah. I had a, I had an article that uh, was published in Find Delta Kappen and. and uh, again, I'm not a lawyer, so I, I asked Lisa if she would help. Uh, am I interpreting this correctly? On it was kind of a abeyance agreement or like s- suspensions, but you don't really give suspensions and, and plea agreements. And she helped me out with that. She's quoted within the article, uh, but yeah, and appreciate your humor. You know, Lisa, as always, with, <laughs> with old humble and, and coming back on the show. But I, I, I really am thankful, and to me, this has been very, uh, very helpful. And hopefully to everybody here. So Bolo, Jim, Yuk, if we can give a shout out here to, to Lisa and everybody, and New York Outcast. Um, anything as you go, Lisa? Like you have a new show, it's Lisa at uh, HoustonSuperstar.net. Uh, <laughs> I, I do not. Okay. So, uh,
3: but yeah, still, still co hosting the Lumbo Happy Hour with uh, 2.0 with Joe. And uh, on Friday night, well, that's on Thursday night. We start at nine o'clock, and I just stay awake. Um, like so started work at like six thirty this morning. So okay, right. but um, yeah, no, I I don't have my own thing yet, and I also have not yet made it onto the Moth Story Hour, but I'm still working on that.
2: All right. Wow.
3: <laughs> so hope to hope to be back. It's always good to see you. I know, I know I need to read your books and leave an Amazon review. <laughs>
2: that's,
3: and that's... at some point I will do. That.
2: <laughs> I wake up in the morning and I'm I as I go through and kind of like check the things, I always go to Amazon and I'm like, okay, so velocity of information had a a new review this week but yeah school of airs has been hanging out at 54 for a long time
0: oh and
2: uh it hasn't got to 55 so i'm like someone's going to be the 55th review for that um so yeah it's 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 been
3: it will be me maybe
2: it could be you and it it is it is cool because um so oh look at this like uh did you get the Uh. range extender so you can steal your neighbor's wi-fi
3: No, Bacon. (laughs) I am on my own Wi-Fi. It is not my problem. Like, it's Joe's
0: problem.
2: Wow, it is Joe. Bolo's saying, can you run red lights? And I, I, that was a question from a previous show. And and obviously, I I don't, it comes into this whole thing of a law of necessity. If you're trying to find, if you're you're chasing somebody who's just kidnapped somebody, right? You're trying to. Call nine one one, but again, that's all subjective, and I don't think there would ever be an attorney who would tell you, yes, if you see someone kidnapped, you anticipate they've been kidnapped and they take off, right? You can follow them as you're calling nine one one, and during that, you can drive through red lights and things like that. That gets, and I mean, we don't have to unpack that, but but that's where this whole subjectiveness and understanding law of necessity comes in. And now, if, now, if like the dispatcher is telling you to stay on their tail. I mean that's a that's a little bit of a different thing um, but um I don't run, I do not run red lights by the way so I'm very I'm a very like old fashioned driver I have a very big Buick Lacrosse I drive it like an old person and even like even when I park I'm like oh, I could have pulled it 3 feet further so yeah
3: uh, I, I- Pretty defensive driver. And I'm like, okay, I need to park at least one parking space away from the next person. So, uh,
2: so. all right. So,
3: thanks, New York Outcast. It's New York Outcast. Look at that New York Outcast there.
2: Gosh darn There's New York.
3: Steven Essekitty and Bacon and, you know, make some new friends
2: here yeah yeah this is definitely a good uh a good group here that supported the show so this is episode 194 it'll be out in blog post tomorrow um and i get
3: to add it to my resume
2: you do well you do because the blog posts are you know professionally done i go through and and, and this one is already pretty much crafted. i'll go in and, and do some adjustments to it tonight but uh Again, this is our post-it uh, disclaimer here. Again, this is this is a discussion. This is not legal advice. Um, you know, you should be working with your own legal counsel uh, or organization to be advised on the necessity defense um, using uh, how you apply discretion and best interest in your setting, and then also Good Samaritan. So, um, So, right, we've got that. That will also be restated in the, but if you're not having these discussions in your organization, right, and you have these questions, bring them up, you know, talk to, you you know, Mm -hmm. it's a good question for at a staff meeting, right? To bring it up and say, Hey, like we've got the AED in the hallway, but like we've never kind of been trained on the AED, right? the AED
3: in the hallway.
2: So like, you know, what's the deal? And, and so some of those things of, of just, and every, and then pretty soon like three other people are like, I have the same question. Like I'm, Mm -hmm. so what do we, is it for decoration? Is it only here, like at Halloween, and then it goes back? And you know, we decorate shamrocks around it in March, but then, like, what do we? What do we really do? Who can use it? Do we have to get permission to use it? The case buzzes when we open it. It scares me. It freaks me out. So, um, so yeah, Buick seemed to be hitting my truck. No God, don't say that. I do not want anything bad to happen to my Buick. They don't make sedans anymore. So Buick stopped that in 2019. So I got to just keep it going. So, wow, I know. It's crazy. So, all right. Well, Lisa, um, thank you again. I will, uh, I will take us out of here for those of you watching the show in about five minutes, then I will start up the generic episode of this, where we, we talk about just, uh, some other things that are happening here in Wisconsin. But again, Lisa, thank you so much for your time and for, uh, you know, having this intellectual discussion on a topic where I think everybody in the chat has these questions, right, and kind of these these um, right these uncertainties, um, and and we we broached on some pretty big things like you know should there be a state campaign should there be a national campaign and where does change start and you know change starts with Kyle, the student who had a heart attack when he was seven and then eventually we have a bill that all students are receiving um, CPR so. All right, so I will uh, I will take us out here. So Lisa, have a terrific night. Thank you. Right, take care, Texas. You too. <laughs> Bye, Bye. All right, folks, that was awesome, um, Lisa Lenny, our attorney friend. So thank you so much. I will um, I will uh, do our exit show stuff here, and if I can, uh, so we'll I'll tell you what I'm not. I won't. Uh, I I don't have it up over well, let me, everything's kind of like over.
1: As chaos erupts, torrents of conflicting yet urgent messages gush from media outlets. What is the magnitude of the incident and what should people do to protect themselves? Dr. David P. Perotin teaches you how to prevent mental burnout by observing indicators and building a robust member check network reporter james david dixon of the detroit news proclaims the velocity of information will empower its readers drawing on current events history interviews and scholarship the velocity of information is an education in the way people react and adapt to change in this fast spinning world never has it been more important to sift facts and stories for truth and meaning there are teachable moments on every page buy the velocity of information human thinking during chaotic times available from your favorite bookstore or online retailer how were the beans and chili that you had for breakfast they were delicious thank you for asking but now i am <laughs> very gassy i'm sorry to hear that oh <laughs> very bad. I have to open a window. Oh no! My cap flew off and it was sucked into the engine. Holy smokes! The engine just cut out. We should use the Decide model to
2: help us make the right decision.
1: Mayday. Mayday. I am declaring a beans and chili emergency. Please advise for landing. Flight 019er,
3: 2 miles northeast, turn left at
0: 90, maintain 4800 to establish an approach. Holy shit, a ghost.
2: Do you mind moving out of the way? You're blocking the TV. Oh, shit. Sorry, man. It's okay. Thank you. All right, everybody. I will be back in five minutes with a new stream. Oh, my goodness. Uh, a lot to think about. This was an awesome show with uh, Lisa Lene. So, so much. So, we'll kind of do um, a discussion uh, a little bit informal on that. We're also going to talk about this uh, backing up your your data and stuff here. This this drive no longer works. It's very sad. Unfortunately, it's a safety. It's 181 episodes which are are gone. But uh, hang on, everybody. I have to uh, to restoke the fireplace, and I'm going to end this show um, right now, and then I will be back with a new one. So uh, take care, everybody. Oh, let me do let me do this um it's a second here so um no 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 um yes and no and uh thumbs up for the show there we go thumbs up and then let's do uh let's do this all right everybody this was an awesome show thank you so much subscribe to the safety doc podcast share it with others um appreciate it. I'll be back in about 5 minutes. So uh take care everybody and I'll be back in just a little bit.